بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد In order to benefit from what is demanded of us by Allah سبحانه وتعالى through the Quran and the Sunnah one of the easiest ways to do that is to see how somebody else embodied those guidances from the Quran and Sunnah and especially those people who many centuries of people have testified regarding them that they were people who were on the correct path who went from this world in a, a way that is considered to be safe and inshallah successful and as Allah subhanahu as the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam has said that you are sometimes uh, uh, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam has actually said that you are the witnesses in the world. So if people consider somebody to be good, then we can expect in all goodwill that that person is good. So today we look at the life of somebody briefly, just some aspects of their life. It's not an entire biography at all. It's just some aspects of their life, some prominent aspects of their life that relate to their connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their understanding of this world, and how maybe we can benefit from it. Because when we see those same things in action, in the life of somebody else, it becomes a bit more personal for us. So we're looking at Imam Shafi'i today, Rahimahullah, who's made, everybody knows him, and he was only 54 or so when he passed away. So at a very young age he passes away but leaves a massive legacy and huge respect and people honor him and he has essentially paved a path for many people for which he is being rewarded even though he's departed this world. So Imam Shafi'i in terms of his worship, what was it that gave him such success? How was his worship? How was his connection to the world? How was his connection to other people? So we're just going to look at a few things like that. Firstly, his worship. Imam Shafi, it's related that he used to split his night into three sections. His day was already occupied, but his night was split into three sections. One of them was for his studies. One of them was for, was for knowledge, studying, researching, writing, and so on. Another third was for worship. And a third portion, or a third portion, per, uh, portion was for sleeping. So he used to sleep, but it's very it's not difficult to do this if you've got a spe- if you if you know what you want. If you know what you want. It's not difficult to do this. You have to have a commitment though, and you have to have discipline. And you have to have a drive. When Rabi was one of the close people to him says that Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah used to complete the Quran in Ramadan 60 times and all of that was actually in prayer as well so it wasn't just reading relaxed on a sofa or on a chair or lying down but he used to actually complete it in prayer 60 times that's average two times a day in Ramadan I mean generally you're told not to complete the Quran too fast but in Ramadan it's an exception because it's the month of the Qur'an. Him, his own self, in terms of his connection to the world and how much he took off the world or how he treated the world, 
He says, مَا شَبِئْتُ مُنْدُ سِتَّ عَشَرَةَ سَنَةً 16 years has it been that I've not full, I've not filled my stomach. Like I've not eaten to my fill. I've eaten, but not to my fill. I've never stuffed my stomach. Or I've never eaten fully, to be fully satiated. I used to always stop before I feel satiated. He says, because to be satiated, which means to eat fully, it burdens the body. It makes the body heavy. It hardens the heart. It takes away your sharpness of your mind. And he needs that because he's a scholar. And it brings on sleep. And of course, on top of all of that, it weakens you in terms of worship. And then he used to say that anybody who claims that they can combine between the love of the world and the love of their creator in the heart and have both of those loves love existing side by side then basically he's invented a major lie against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you you have to have one or the other or you have to have more of one than the other and one pushes out the other one eventually when he came to Makkah Mukarramah, he came and he had a thousand dinars with him, which is a lot of money. So this is in terms of his generosity. The people who have tawakkul on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their generosity increases because they're not worried about becoming poor. So he came with a thousand dinars and uh, just outside of Makkah on the path, he, that's where he put his tent up. In those days you could just do that. Nowadays I don't think they'll let you do that. And he put a tent up, laid out a cloth, put all the dinars on there and then everybody that was going past and that would come to visit he would basically grab a handful and he would give it to them until dhuhr time and everything on that was finished by that time and then he said ya lahfa qalbi ala malin ajudu bihi ala almuqillina min ahli almuru'ati inna i'tithari ila man jaa yas'aluni ma laysa he wasn't just giving to anybody wealthy and so on. It was just for the poor people, really. right? And people would know that, okay, there's somebody here he's giving out because that's kind of the thing they would probably do. So he, said, he talks about his heart and he says, um, upon wealth that I want to be generous with, upon those who have little, from among those people who are people of chivalry and decency. He says, my then excuse to the one who comes to me to ask for something that I don't have, that is considered to be one of the greatest calamities for me. That I don't have something to give someone when they come to ask me for it. That's a big musibah. Uh, there's some things that are well known about him. He was one, once asked about a question, about a mas'ala, about an issue. So he was silent for a while. So then somebody said to him, so, so the person said to him, Allah tujib rahimakallah, may Allah have mercy on you, aren't you going to give an answer? You know, somebody comes to you to ask you a question, you're just thinking for a while. So he says, yes, hatta adri al fi sukuti aw fi jawabi. I'm just wondering, I'm just thinking, contemplating whether the, there's more benefit in me responding or in me staying silent. Because sometimes some people come and ask you, and they could get you into trouble. Or they could misuse what you say. So he's wondering like, is it beneficial for me to answer? Or do I know what, do I know the answer so that I could answer? 
we learn from this. We learn from this that we could also do this. You're not forced to respond every time somebody asks you a question. The way the media works today is that you need to have an opinion on everything. So they ask you the question. And if you say, I don't know, that sounds a bit weird. You're supposed to have an opinion. You're not supposed to have it. You don't have to have an opinion. I can remain ignorant if I want. There's not, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Many times somebody asks you about a recent world event and you, because you've been busy doing other things, teaching and other things, you haven't had time to look at the news. So they wonder like, what's wrong with you? Aren't you like in touch? Well, you are generally in touch, but you can't always be in touch. Come on, you need to have time to yourself sometimes. You don't need to be abreast of the news all the time. Sufyan ibn Uyayn is another great muhaddith of his time. So once he's giving a lecture, or he's there and he mentions a hadith with, uh, about one of the heart-rending topics, the raqa'iq as they call it. Imam Shafi is, sit- is sitting there, he's a muhaddith himself and he's sitting there. When he heard this hadith, he, he, he fainted. It was just like too much for him. Sometimes people are in a state and then if they hear something, it just increases the khawf that they have. If they heard it another time, they may, it's not like this hadith makes you faint. Everybody. I just want to put that in perspective. You might think this is a bit of an exaggeration. He doesn't have to faint every time he hears the hadith. But sometimes you're in a state of fear with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or something else. And somebody just says the right thing and he makes you cry. But if you saw that another time, he won't make you cry. But you have to have that state sometimes at least, right? Sufyan, somebody said to Sufyan, you know, Imam Shafi has passed away. He didn't pass away, he was just fainted. So then... Sufyan said, Rahimahullah, he said that if he passed away, then it means, it means that the greatest person of his time has passed away. Meaning, he's such a great person. Once, he's in Makkah Mukarramah, and on Safa, he hears um, Harith ibn Labid reciting the following verse. هَذَا يَوْمُ لَا يَنْطِقُونَ وَلَا يُؤْذَنُ لَهُمْ فَيَعْتَذِرُونَ Now, Labid, Harith ibn Labid was a person with a very good voice. And as soon as Imam Shafi heard this, this is talking about the Day of Judgment, هَذَا يَوْمُ لَا يَنْطِقُونَ This is the day when they will not be speaking and they will not be given permission to even make an excuse. That's, that's serious. So, Imam Shafi, rahimahullah, when he heard this, his color changed. His skin is standing on, his hair is standing on end. And he's in great turmoil. And finally he, he fainted again. When he came back to consciousness, that's when he said, أعوذ بالله من مقام الكاذبين وإعراض الغافلين اللهم لك خضعت قلوب العارفين وذلت لك رقاب المشتاقين إلهي هب لي جودك which basically means that I seek refuge in Allah from such a state of the kathibin, of the, the false people. And the, the turning away and the heedlessness of the heedless. Oh Allah, for you, the hearts of your knowers succumb to you succumb and the necks of those who desire you they are humble in front of you oh my lord 
grant me your generosity, grant me from your generosity and cover me with your veil and pardon all my shortcomings by the honor of by the benevolence of your countenance so this is after his effect so it, it, you know when you listen to the quran it affects you it should touch you it should affect you and this is what's happening here it's very well known about his relationship with others because remember he's a scholar so there's a lot of debates going on and he's a scholar who's got original contribution because he's the head of a madhab and people have found that to be useful and they followed him and he had students so clearly what he's going to be saying is a lot of original contribution and when you have original contribution you're going to be challenged now this is his adab and his etiquette when dealing with people that he is debating with or discussing with this is i learned a lot from this myself i can't fully do it but i've learned a lot and i think this is really beneficial and if we could really do this fully we'd have a lot less problems in the world he says that always I've, I've always loved and hoped that it's people will benefit from my knowledge. So I want people to benefit from my knowledge so I get reward for it. Right? So I want people to benefit from what I say and what I do and what I teach. But But that nothing be attributed to me. So the knowledge somehow reaches them and they benefit from it. So I'm propagating, I'm delivering the knowledge. But that it doesn't come back to me. So it's not about me but it's about the knowledge. Only somebody who really knows what they want can think like that and say something like that. Then he also says, Every time I've spoken to somebody, my, in, my, my desire has always been that they be divinely enabled to understand the right thing. And that they say the right thing, and they're assisted. And that Allah protect them. What that basically means is that, okay, I could be wrong, but I don't want them to be wrong. I want them to get it right. Do you know why that's better? Because if they get it right, I'm willing to accept it. So that means two people are right. If I get it right and they don't, then that's one less person who's got it right. It's easier for me to change myself and get, get it that he's got it right. So let me get it right as well now. Can you see what, how far he's thinking? He's always thinking for a greater <coughs> cause as opposed to for myself. Then he says, I've never debated anybody and hoped that they would make the mistake and they would be the wrong and I would beat them. My intention would always be that the haq is pronounced on their tongue because that makes it simple for all of us. And that's why his own contemporaries had great praise for him, even though he was probably so young. Because he died at the age of 54. So he must have been very young when a lot of people said these things. Now, you have to remember that his student is Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal. Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal is his student. Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal says about his teacher, Imam Shafi, مَا صَلِّيْتُ صَلَاةً مُنْذُ أَرْبَعِينَ سَنَةً إِلَّا وَأَنَا أَدْعُوهُ 40 years I've been, every prayer I make, every prayer that I've made for 40 years, I've prayed for Shafi. I've made dua for him. And this is not difficult. You know, he's making it for his teacher. I'm going to request us to make it for our teachers, everybody we've benefited from, but above all our parents. And let's do this. 
And all you have to do is something very simple. After every prayer that you make, five times a day, you just have to fit it in somehow and make it a habit. That okay, when I'm getting up from my last prayer, or when I'm going home from the masjid, or whatever, just three times, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ It'll probably take a minute to do that. That's it. How long does it take to read قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ quickly? Right? All it takes is probably a minute, minute and a half, and you send the reward of that to all your teachers and your parents. And you'll be surprised that within a few weeks, how many rewards that you would have sent. And that's the only way you're going to pay back anybody. And if you do that, maybe Allah will have somebody do that for you. Brother, you can sit here. Do you see what I'm saying? It's so easy. It's a massive deed and it's so easy, but, uh, you know, we, and it's, it's, not, it's not difficult to do this if you make it a point of habit that as soon as you finish your prayer or whatever, قُلُوا اللَّهُ three times along with your other adhkar and say, okay, give this reward to my parents and my teachers. SubhanAllah. Let's see if we can get that in line, in, in, in practice, inshaAllah. So for 40 years, he says that I always prayed for Imam Shafi in every prayer. And when his son found that his father's always making dua for this Imam Shafi, he says, what kind of a person is Shafi? Like, who is this guy? You make so much dua for him. So Imam Muhammad said, Ya Bunay, my son, كَانَ الشَّافِعِ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى كَالشَّمْسِ لِلدُّنْيَا وَكَالْعَافِيَةِ لِلنَّاسِ Imam Shafi'i was like a son for the world. That's his guidance. That's his guidance. Anybody who takes people towards a good in this world is like a son. The sun gives you light to walk in. And if there's ulama and anybody else who takes people towards good and instructs them, he's like, like a spiritual son, isn't he? And he is like a source of well-being for the people because he helped them out. This all comes through acceptance. Uh, one day somebody came to, a young man came to Imam Shafi and he said, Alimni Allah. Teach me something from which Allah has taught you. Why would he say that? Why don't he say, just teach me something? So he's telling him that Allah taught it to you, so you need to teach me. So it's like reminding him that it's not a favor doing me, it's just something you need to do. Right? In English, how would that sound? Somebody comes in and says, teach me something from what Allah has taught you. It sounds a bit bold, doesn't it? But that's just, you have to put that in perspective. So Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah said, اعلم أن من صدق الله نجا من صدق الله نجا Anybody who's truthful to Allah, he's going to be safe. Who is generally truthful to Allah, he's going to be safe. وَمَنْ أَشْفَقَ عَلَى دِينِهِ سَلِمًا مِنَ الرَّدَى And anybody who's concerned about their faith, that I might get it wrong, I might sin or whatever, he's generally going to be safe from destruction. وَمَنْ زَهِدَ فِي الدُّنْيَا قَرَّتْ عَيْنَاهِ مِمَّا يَرَاهُ مِنْ ثَوَابِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى غَدًا And anybody who's abstaining from the world, who's not loving the world too much, may Allah make that easy for us, that person's eyes will be made to be delighted by the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tomorrow. Because the less you focus on the world, that means the more you focus on the hereafter, the more your reward will be in the hereafter. So, when he said that, um, Imam Shafi'i said, shall I tell you a bit more? Like, shall I carry on or is that enough for you? Um, of that which Allah has taught me. Shall I tell you some more? He says, yes, please. So then Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah said that whoever has three characteristics, then they, that will be completion of their faith. We all have Iman, but 
the struggle we have is that is our iman perfect and completed so all of us sitting here and listening we're faithful people we have faith we say la ilaha illallah but how do we get that to completion and perfection so he says that you just need three characteristics. Number one, man amara bil ma'rufi wa tamar. He is adding something on here. Whoever commands good and who wa tamar basically means whoever, whoever accepts somebody else's command to good. So it's easy to tell other people, but it's more difficult to accept it when others have said it. And even to be on the lookout for it. Wa naha anil munkari wantaha. Who prohibits the wrong and who also abstained when they're told. And number three, and who's very concerned about the limits of Allah. And then Imam Shafi said, Shall I give you some more? And he said, Of course. So he said, Kun dunya zahidan wa fil raghiban. Cut away your focus from the world and Enter your full desire for the akhirah. And in every matter, in everything that you do, just be truthful to Allah. Like, what does Allah want from me? I want to be truthful to Him. Truthful here means that if, uh, it's essentially this is related to love. Because why would you be truthful to somebody if you don't care for them? You, when you love someone, then you want to be truthful to them. You want them to see you as somebody who's sincere and goodwill, expressing of goodwill. So you have to develop a love for Allah first to then want to be good to Him. Because, tell me, who are you most sincere to? Like, who would you do something sincerely for? Generally, the people you love. You're not going to do it for your boss if you don't love him. You're doing that just to make money, just so that you get your paycheck. Right? To others, you may only do it to get a position or to get a, some favor. But where you do it sincerely for somebody that you love. Right? So you have to develop the love first and then it's easy to be truthful about it. That's what he said. And he said, if you do all of this, najin. With those who are going to be safe, you will also be safe with them. Then another thing he said, out of wisdom, these are just his observations. He says, look, everybody that is, that is out there is going to have some people who love them and some people who hate them. You know, even when you're young at school, there's some people who like you and there's some people who don't like you. Why don't they like you? Maybe because you've got something that they don't have. Maybe you've got a friend that they don't have. Maybe you're more charming than they are. Whatever the case is. I mean, you go and try to find out why people don't like you, why people like you. Sometimes it's just too much of a bother. Sometimes for the flimsiest reasons that people don't like you. Right? Shaitan just puts an idea in your mind. And when you actually learn more about the person, it's like, why did I hate him for? I don't even know why I hated the person. That's shaitan. Shaitan likes to create these problems. You look at somebody, hey, I don't like this guy. He's not done anything wrong to you. You just don't like the way he dresses. Right? It's judgments we make. That's why positivity is a good thing. So he says, look, generally there's, there's hardly anybody who's, who's, who's going to be free of this. You're going to be liked by some people and you're going to be hated by some people. So let that not affect how you make your decisions. فَإِنْ كَانَ كَذَلِ He says, if that's the reality, فَكُنْ مَا أَهْلِ طَاعَةِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ You be with the obedient ones. That should be your focus. He says, if you're struggling with this idea that I'm not doing something sincerely for Allah and I'm doing things for myself and I'm self-conceited and narcissist, right? 
how do you how do you find out if that's the case or not? Like, am I doing this just to show off, or am I doing this for Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? He says it's very simple. He said, "Ida khifta ala amalika al-ujb." If you're concerned about being self-conceited uh, about your actions, fandur rida man tatlub. Think about whose satisfaction you're looking for. Who are you trying to satisfy? Like, be honest, like, who are you trying to satisfy? Am I trying to satisfy the people who are sitting here? Or am I trying to satisfy Allah? As soon as you, as soon as you think that, it, it should help you clear your intention. Because I may be sitting here just satis- trying to satisfy you because that's part of the job, isn't it? That you benefit. Right? So how do you deal with that? So you start thinking then, well, I must do this for Allah. And I'm asking Allah for tawfiq to do it in a way that's beneficial. So can you see how it's just turned around now? Initially the thought was, I'm just talking to these guys, so I want them to be impressed so that they benefit. I'm not thinking about Allah. Allah's coming afterwards. And now I think I must do this for the sake of Allah. And in order to do that, I'm, I'm hoping that they will benefit and Allah will put benefit here. So now you've gone to Allah first, and then you've come back to the people. So eventually you come back to the same thing, but it's through Allah. And that just makes it easier. So always think about it like that. Whenever you're doing anything, who am I trying to please with this? Right. Whose reward do you want? And whose punishment are you trying to stay, run away from? Right? And from whose well-being are you going to give thanks? He says, once you start thinking about this way, your action suddenly becomes very inferior. Because then you start thinking it's up to Allah. Everything is up to Allah anyway. So hopefully that will be of benefit to us, inshallah. When he was about to pass away, very young age, right? When he was about to pass away, one of his <clears throat> greatest students, whose name is Imam al-Muzani, Egyptian, Imam al-Muzani, he's Imam Tahawi's uncle, I think, right? He is like the Imam Abu Yusuf to Imam Abu Hanifa. Imam Shafi's main student is Imam Muzani, right? Egyptian. So Imam Muzani is saying that he went to visit Imam Shafi during his terminal illness. And he said to him, كيف أصبحت يا أبا عبد الله? How are you this morning? Abu Abdullah, that's his title. He says, how are you this morning, Abu Abdullah? So he said to him, أصبحت من الدنيا راحلا. Right, imagine, somebody's on their deathbed. So he's saying that I've woken up this morning, finding myself on the, traveling from this world. وللإخوان مفارقا. Departing from my friends, my companions. And I see myself about to come across my worst actions. And drinking the cup of death. And soon to come upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La adri. تَصِيرُ الرُّوحِ إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ فَأُهَنِّيهَا أَوْ إِلَى النَّارِ فَأُعَزِّيهَا Now that's the problem. I don't know if my ruh and my spirit is going to 
traverse to Jannah, so then I give it glad tidings, or it's going to go to the fire, and thus I give it condolence. And then he said the following poem. He was a poet, so he's got his whole diwan, his whole collection of poetry. So he says, وَلَمَّا قَسَى قَلْبِي وَضَاقَتْ مَذَاهِبِي جَعَلْتُ الرَّجَى مِنِّي لِعَفْوِكَ سُلَّمَا تَعَاظَمَنِي ذَنْبِي فَلَمْ تَعَاظَمَنِي ذَنْبِي فَلَمَّا قَرَنْتُهُ بِعَفْوِكَ رَبِّي كَانَ عَفْوُكَ أَعْظَمًا وَمَا زِلْتَ ذَا عَفْوٍ عَنِ الذَّنْبِ لَمْ تَزَلْ تَجُودُ وَتَعْفُ مِنَّةً وَتَكَرُّمًا He says this in great hope to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, when my heart became hard and all my paths became contracted and narrowed and limited, I made my staircase, I made my my um, elevator my hope in you my hope in you for your pardon became my elevator my lift because otherwise I couldn't find any other way to go so I thought okay that's the only way and he says my sins became great too, too big in my eyes but then when I linked them to your pardon my lord then I saw that your pardon was greater And he says, Oh Allah, you have constantly remained a one to pardon from sin. And you have constantly remained generous and overlooking this out of your favor and out of your benevolence. So he's essentially asking Allah for hope. One day somebody asked him, how are you? So you're going to say, what do you say when somebody says, how are you? Say, I'm fine. What else do you say? And if you've got an issue, then you tell them. A lot of the time, you know, when somebody asks you, how are you, how's your family? Do they really mean it or is it a tradition? tradition? Right? I mean, it's a tradition, but to be honest, right? When you've been through in a tradition where they don't ask you that, and then somebody asks you, even tradition, it actually sounds good. Like somebody's caring. Right? It's more than rather... Just coming to ask you for something selfish, they're like, okay, how are you? It's just that if you are from a tradition that asks you these things, then just make it sincere. You don't have to give it up just because it's a tradition. The point is make it sincere. So genuinely ask. If you do go to a person who's very busy, then don't waste their time with all of these questions. Because sometimes it's like, get to it, man. What do you want from me? You have to be, you have to obviously be savvy with these things. Um... So somebody asked him, how are you? So he said, So he says, he turned the question around to them. He said, what do you think should be the state of somebody who wakes up in the morning and he's got three demands? No, there are eight demands that he has to deal with. What do you think is the situation of a person who gets up in the morning and there's eight things that he has to deal with? Kitab Rabbihi Bil Amal. The book of Allah is telling him, Where's your worship? Sunnah Nabihi Bil Mutaba'ah. The Sunnah of this Prophet is saying, You need to follow. That's a demand. Now, those two were the good ones. Nafsuhu Bil Shahawat. But his nafs is telling him, Fulfill this desire. Go and eat that. Go and talk to that person. Go and indulge yourself there. Wa shaytanuhu bil mukhalafat. Everybody has a shaitan. 
So his shaitan is telling you, you need to oppose Allah here, you need to do that sin, and you need to do that excess. He's got it all. And his family is demanding the daily bread. Like, you know, we need food. We need clothing. We need school fees. University fees. I need to get married. I need to do a big wedding. Right? I need to do shopping. We need a holiday. What else? And his ambitions are demanding these big ideas. But the time is moving on with all of its events. So what, can you see it's just being thrown around like in a roller coaster? And that Malakul Mawt is already, the, the, the angel of death is already also standing there waiting to take your life. Do, do you, you know the Malakul Mawt, right? The angel of death. Do you think he goes through the same kind of time period as we do, like day after day? You see what I'm saying? His whole job is to take life. So every day is just taking life. Does he have any days? Because time probably applies differently to these people, right? To these individuals, right? Can you believe, like, somebody who's got it so. Did you ever think about this? Like, these are all the demands we have in life? Has anybody ever thought of that? My family, I need to look after them. I've got my own like ambitions. I've got my nafs that wants my own personal gratifications. I've got the shaitan who's constantly telling me. But then I've got the book of Allah. I've got the sunnah. And time is moving on. And then there's the angel of death. That's, that's deep. Is he missing anything there? And you know when two great people like that meet, they complement one another. So these two had some great love Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal and Imam Shafi right and remember Imam Ahmed is his teacher sorry Imam Ahmed is his student but Imam Shafi used to respect Imam Ahmed hugely right so it's related that when Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal he became ill once so Imam Shafi went to visit him as, you know as a sick person and when he saw him in that state Imam Shafi became really really anguished and he became sick. So then when Imam Ahmed became better, he went to visit him. When he saw Imam Shafi'i, Imam Shafi'i became better. So then he said, مَرِضَ الْحَبِيبُ فَزُرْتُهُ فَجَزِئْتُ مِنْ حُزْنِي عَلَيْهِ عَادَ الْحَبِيبُ فَزَارَنِي فَبَرِئْتُ مِنْ نَظْرِي إِلَيْهِ So Imam Shafi'i makes a poem on that. He says, my beloved became sick, so I went to visit him. And because of my sadness over him, I became sick. So then my beloved came to visit me. So then I became better by seeing him. You have to have love for Allah, for the sake of Allah, for these things to happen in a pure way. Otherwise, it's adulterated love. You can love a lot of things, but what you have to remember is that everything that you love besides Allah will always eventually end in sorrow. And the reason is that whatever you love is always going to be finite. And love, want, in, in pure love, you want it to be forever. So if you love whatever it is, eventually it's going to end, or you're going to fear that it's going to come to an end, or that you're going to depart. So that way you can't ever exercise pure love. 
you can never realize pure love. So what is the verse in the Quran before? وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَتَّخِذُ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ أَنْدَادًا يُحِبُّونَهُمْ كَحُبِّ اللَّهِ There are, among the people, there are those who take, besides Allah, objects of love, right? To be similar to Allah, they take them and make them the objects of love. يُحِبُّونَهُمْ كَحُبِّ اللَّهِ And they love them as they should love Allah. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ but the people who believe, they are most ardent in their love for Allah. So you can love whatever else you want and you can get a very deep love, but it's never going to be complete love because love is an eternal idea and that can only be realized with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it can only be realized by loving everything due to the love of Allah. So if Allah is telling you to love someone like your family, your spouse, good people, then that love will always also be fulfilling love because it's done because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Otherwise, there's nothing else that you can, as much as you might love them physically or whatever, you can never be satisfied in that love until you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's just the way the love works. So let us stop here. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tawfiq to benefit us from these great people and to make us like them and to make our children and our progeny like them and to give us friends like them. Uh, because that's the only way we're going to be successful. Uh, but keep these eight things that Imam Shafi says in mind for every day. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakta ya dhal jalali wal ikram. Ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Ya dhal jalali wal ikram. Ya ma'adin al-judi wal karam. Ya khayr al-mas'ulin. Wa ya khayr al-mu'teen. يا الله اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا واهدنا وارزقنا اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغفر لنا ولوالدينا ولمشائخنا ولأساتذتنا ولإخواننا ولأخواتنا ولأزواجنا ولأولادنا ولأقاربنا ولأستقائنا ولكل من له حق علينا ولكل من أوصانا بالدعاء اللهم ارحمهم وعافهم وعف عنهم اللهم اغفر لموتان المسلمين الذين شهدونك بالوحدانية وماتوا على ذلك يا الله we ask you for your complete forgiveness we ask you for your benevolence we ask you for your generosity we ask for your special attention oh Allah we ask you to allow us to complete our faith oh Allah complete your light upon us oh Allah grant us a full share of your light and your taqwa oh Allah give us a life of purity and taqwa Oh Allah, we ask that you surround us with good people. We surround us with, the, with, with an environment in which it's conducive for us to worship you and to do those things which please you. Oh Allah, we have many challenges around us. Oh Allah, we're constantly pulled here and there. Oh Allah, we are constantly challenged in our ideology. We're constantly cha challenged in our spirituality. Oh Allah, we have many challenges around us. Oh Allah, without your assistance and your tawfiq and help, Oh Allah, we would be nowhere. Oh Allah, you have guided us aright. You have given us the ni'mah and the bounty of Islam. Oh Allah, you've given iman in our heart. Oh Allah, you've given us the ability to do a few actions. Oh Allah, you've given us the ability to remember you. Oh Allah, make us of those who constantly remember you, who are grateful to you, who show their thanks to you, and O oh Allah, keep us on this path and only increase us until our death. O oh Allah, do not allow us to move away. O oh Allah, do not move us away from here. 
Oh Allah, some of our actions are very bad. Oh Allah, many of our actions have great shortcomings, great problems. Oh Allah, we ask you for purity of intention. We ask you for sincerity of action. Oh Allah, we ask you for facilitation in this regard. Oh Allah, we ask for your love. And oh Allah, we ask for the love of those whose love will benefit us in your court. Oh Allah, we ask that you protect us from evil influences. Oh Allah, that you protect us from being an evil influence. Oh Allah, if you've made us among those that people listen to and, and people follow in some way or the other. Oh Allah, protect us from ever going wrong ourselves. Oh Allah, we ask you for complete protection and refuge from the dishonor of this world, from humiliation in this world, and from the punishment of the hereafter, from humiliation in the hereafter. Oh Allah, allow us to rise among the Siddiqeen and the Shuhada and the Salihin. Oh Allah, allow us to be gathered together with the Anbiya on the Day of Judgment. Oh Allah, make our actions worthy of this stage. Oh Allah, make our actions worthy of this position. Oh Allah, we ask you for protection for us, our children, our entire communities, our descendants until the Day of Judgment. Oh Allah, don't ever let there be a bad seed in our descendants. Oh Allah, make us of those who set good trends and protect us from following or setting bad trends. Oh Allah, you have graced us in many different ways. Oh Allah, just being in a place of security, in a place of well-being. Oh Allah, we can't thank you enough. There are so many people suffering around the world in different places, in different ways. Oh Allah, you've protected us from all of that. Oh Allah, we have our challenges. Oh Allah, for all the goodness and afi and well-being you have given us, we give you thanks. And oh Allah, for the challenges, we ask you for strength. We ask you for correction. We ask you for your assistance. Oh Allah, grab us by the forelocks and enter us into paradise. Enter us into your satisfaction and your pleasure. Oh Allah, for you, it's a simple, it's a simple act. Oh Allah, for you, it's just a hukam and a desire of kun. Oh Allah, for us, it's a lifelong toil. Oh Allah, make this easy for us. Oh Allah, we are not of those like Pharaoh who used to call himself God. But oh Allah, you told Musa and Harun to still speak gently with him. Oh Allah, everyone sitting here is among those people who say Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la in their sujood. Oh Allah, we consider you our Lord. We have no Lord besides you. So oh Allah, we ask that you grant us of your great abundance and magnificence. Oh Allah, you are Dhul Jalali Wal Ikram. Oh Allah, we ask you from your magnificence. Oh Allah, to, give, to facilitate our path, the rest of our path, make the final part of our life in this world the best part of our life. And oh Allah, make the best day of our life the day that we stand in front of you. Oh Allah, grant us and, uh, along with the, grant us Jannatul Firdaus. And oh Allah, we ask that you send your abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that you grant us his company in the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. Wa salamun al mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil.